Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright and today's guest is Darren Bolton. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's very good, it's very good. Uh, I'm having that novelty thing again that I normally have, dear listener, of... Uh, of having somebody face to face with me as opposed to any of a Skype, so it's kind of it feels very organic as opposed to very computer techy. So uh, it's good to have you here. Hope the tea was all right. It was nice. Now we've not come to talk about my arrangements doing a podcast. Oh, we're not. No. Oh, well, we... <laughs> we're here to talk about your movie, Small Town Hero. Do you want to give people a brief synopsis as to what Small Town Hero is about? Yeah, it's about um, a man called Pep, and he's from a sort of a an idyllic Lincolnshire village. And he's sort of never been anybody to anybody. He's got a sort of a broken family and a kid. And he does this quite a brave act and he becomes a bit of a hero in the in the local community. And he likes that because it's the first time he's been somebody. So he wants to keep being the hero to everyone and he keeps doing it. But his methods become a little bit more extreme, a little bit more violent. Um, and as a documentary film crew sees a bit of a character and he's doing these kind of mad things, they want to follow him around. But as he gets a bit more violent, the town begins to get scared of him. Mm. And he loses his sort of hero status. And there's this rumours of a paedophile that's being sort of integrated into the community. And he sees this as an opportunity to be the hero again. So he wants to kind of oust him and, um, yeah, save the day. Yeah, there's um, a, you, you, the documentary film crew following around. It's sort of reminding me of a bit of, um, what do you call it, uh, Man Bites Dog mm. meets, um, meets Death Wish. Was my, <laughs> was my note. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a review and it said it's Taxi Driver by way of Christopher Guest. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> so when can people see the film? It's coming out um, digitally on the 6th of May. Uh-huh. Um, we're still kind of discussing about maybe some screenings as well, Q&A screenings, um, but we'll reveal them um, when we get when they get finalised. But yeah, 6th of May, it's on Sky Store, Amazon, iTunes. Cool, well we'll put a link to your official website, Facebook page, whatever, awesome. and so people can look at that for news of screenings. Yeah, awesome. So let's let's start with um, 
let's start at the beginning then, because eh? you're the writer director of this film, so that puts you in a in a good position to talk about the creating of it, the producing of it, and the and the sort of finishing it off of it. Yeah. Um. So let's start at the beginning. Um. You made a short film called Vigilante. Yeah. Back in what two thousand nine. Yeah. And was that was that consciously a start of Small Town Hero? Not was, at all. Or was Vigilante a, an isolated project? That Absolutely became... isolated. So, so, so I was on the... Um, so the, it was called the, the Film Council then. Mm-hmm. BFI now, it used to be called the Film Council. Yeah. And um, so I was on the development scheme. So they okay. funded... Um, so they funded a short film of mine called Invisible. Then they gave me some a bit more money than that. Um, and then we, they funded... Vigilante, and then they funded my short after that as well. But right. it was it was absolutely its its own thing, a very simple concept, um, the same concept, um, and I never imagined it to be anything more than it was. And it did did really well for me. Did really well at festivals and, and things like that. It did, you know, it was great. Um, but I never want, I never even thought about taking it on. And and then what happened was it was actually Screen Yorkshire. Obviously, I'm from Yorkshire. Mm. Um, obviously, it's some, but 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 uh, well, or, or just the north to most. <laughs> Um, and so I was on Screen Yorkshire and they gave us some money to develop it into a feature script and who's, who's, who's thought was that was that your you identified the opportunity or they said they have had, you thought they had the opportunity well it was a, sort of a bit of both weirdly I, I was I, I went to on one of a, f- a festival run I went to LA and I spoke to the, f- the, the film council in, L- in LA that was there and I was chatting to them and they were saying you should think about doing Vigilante as a feature film. And that was the first seat. Mm. And they said, you should do that. You know, especially in America, there was like, very often a short leads to a feature. And I, and I was like, mm, I don't think so. It's too simple. It's not, there's no depth to it. You know, mm. and being honest for the short, you know, I'm really proud of the short film, but in my yeah, mind yeah, at the yeah, time, yeah. I was like, I can't see it. And then when this, then this opportunity, and they said, oh, you know, you know, we've got some money to develop a feature script. Um, and then that sort of came up again. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. Mm. Um, I've got an amazing opportunity, a bit of money to for the time to explore like can this be um, a feature script and I went away thinking about how do how do I turn that into a, a feature film and I was the, and I was like I can turn it into a TV series which now actually would make more sense but then it, it, the TV wasn't where, where it is now mm. I was like I can see it as a TV series like a six part mini, um, mini series each episode dealing with sort of like a different mm. sort of crime or something like that but I was like I, I can't see it and then weird is it can so I went to Cannes a week before it started and it's really cheap then. Obviously, Cannes is really fun. It's really cheap. So I booked an apartment. I went to Cannes a week before. It was the year when all the... the, the I don't know if you, how long you've been going, but like the torrential wind and the front was destroyed. Was that, was, that was my second year. And I was like, well, this isn't as much fun as the year before. It was good. Yeah, exactly. It is <laughs> that was the, <laughs> I've not come all this way for rain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. And then there, I was playing around with different... Just as an experiment, like different structures. So I was like, well, what would this be like as a crime thriller? The obvious one, I knew it wouldn't work and it didn't. So let me just ask you, just, just to interrupt there. So the short film, is that done in a documentary style as well? Okay, so you, that, 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 that yeah. concept already exists. Oh, is it? Is it uh, okay, exactly it's a sorry. It's a exactly view. the same. Um, yeah, and then I just explored it and um, I tried it with a superhero structure. The idea of somebody having powers or having something and then it being taken away almost like Superman 2 is it or whatever you know like it's taken away and then what happens when they lose that and then yeah. how do they try and, and I was like oh I was like, like that's quite interesting so then I was like, and then I was like oh, okay maybe this could be a feature okay so then when when you're um, when you write I mean I've never written a, a, a sort of documentary sort of found footage thing and when you're writing something that's sort of it's the images of what's been captured by someone filming someone not knowing what's going to happen mm. <laughs> which in essence, it's like sort of the idea of editing out the, the, the mundane and the dull to 
boil it down to its essence, which I suppose is no different than a dramatic script. Yeah, but yeah. Obviously you've, always, you've always got that kind of thing on your shoulder, which is like, this is meant to be real as much as it's meant to be dramatic. So how do you write that? Um, I guess with, with this one in particular is that, especially in the original version of what it is, it's slightly different to what the original tension was. So the, the, the film crew aspect was a, a really big aspect of the story. The original concept for the feature film yeah. was that it started off with a 10-minute slick, sort of like TV-style, TV, style TV um, like news piece or promo or something like that. It's 10 minutes about this guy yeah. who kind of went apeshit through this village and just did all this really da damning look at this kind of psychopathic man. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the film was the sort of behind the scenes of the film. And it's like, is he psychopathic? Is he really responsible? Are the film crew responsible? Like, is them being there, did they inspire him to be a bit more violent because he was mm. playing up to the camera? Were other people in the village, you know, were other people... So, it was, so the original idea was much more about that. So it wasn't just about, you know, thinking about how do you kind of put the film crew in it. It, it was always very purposeful. Like... So, so, so it wasn't just the behind the scenes and there in it, and sometimes the booms in it, and sometimes you know they're featured. It was all the decisions were integral to the story. So it's okay, like, okay. They're, they're in it, you know, like you know, a scene in the film where he's chasing someone and he sprints ahead of them and he kind of catches up to them and he's like and he's already done the damage. He's already kind of put him on the floor and they're yeah, like, yeah. we missed it, we didn't get it, and it's like you know that. So that was a much bigger aspect, and obviously there's only little hints of it in the film now. Yeah. But, so it's always a very purposeful. I've been, I've, for been a reason. I've been the subject of a um, MTV documentary, and I've been in the position where they've gone, "We didn't film you when, when before, before asking you whether you were nervous about the band." <laughs> I was managing a band at the time, and it was like, "We need to ask you: Are you nervous about them going into the studio?" Even though they'd recorded, it was fine. Yeah. So I had to pretend to go. Yeah, I was really. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really nervous. I hope they. I hope they. Hope they get the moment in the song. You're like, oh my god, this is so weird. Yeah. I'm doing this now, but yeah, that was a lovely moment. That of like, it's like the opposite of. I don't know whether it's the opposite of fourth wall breaking, but it's like it's like fourth wall smashing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, look, he's he's just ruined the idea of a documentary for him. But in keeping with who Pep's character is, it felt it's it's right in the movie, isn't it? It's yeah, not, exactly, it's not like yeah. a misstep to the film. It's actually bang on for where it goes. Um, but do you want to give us something about before we start recording? You talked about one of your, like inspirations for the situation that is small town hero and the idea of a vigilante and and what would what would inst what would sort of be the trigger for that yeah yeah sure so the two short films I made before that were um, quite fantasy based and in a weird way that's kind of more my interest in all honesty but I wanted to do something different I was like I'm going to make all these short films I want each one to be different just to explore mm. and then around that time I grew, I grew up in a really, a really sort of very small town near Hull and um, in the sort of 2000s there was these this flooding in Hull and the surrounding towns mm. and my town got flooded and my home we had to be evacuated from the home and stuff like that and um, but what was it, what I found interesting was that there was a lot of anger about it about what happened and about nothing being done on a kind of across the country but on a really local level there's loads of looting because all the houses are being evacuated because they were flooded mm. so that streets and streets of houses were evacuated so then people were just going in and just robbing all these houses and, and they knew what was happening. Yeah. The police weren't doing anything and the locals were like, why are the police not doing anything? And there's, I remember being, my dad's a counsellor as well and, and stuff like that and I remember this kind of, it wasn't like a town meeting but there was a, a few people there. It's weird though that I don't know about that but I could tell you like song and verse on what happened at the, when the levee broke in New Orleans and there was the same thing happened. Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. people went in after yeah. and robbed people's homes that had been evacuated. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know about it. Because it's Immingham, no, no one cares about Immingham, no one's heard of Immingham. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was just interesting. And then people were like, well, if the police aren't going to do anything, then what if we do? And there was literally, there was having this conversation with the police hmm. saying, if 
can I batter them? And they went, well, <laughs> you can't just, you know, batter them. It's like, well, what if, you know, because they've got to break into, they've got to go into the house. Like, okay, so what if I'm waiting with, with a bat or something and then they come in, then can I batter them? And they were like, well, you've told us you're going to do that. It's like, it's ultimately, you, you've got, there's a and I was listening to this conversation, people were really quite wild and violent about it and about, and I, and I just found it quite interesting. And then, you know, I'm surrounded by, you know, I'm from there, a lot of my family are like this, a lot of my friends are from there, and, but there is a, a, a mentality of this sort of a, uh, a social justice. You know, people there get more angry at someone claiming £18,000 in disability benefits they don't get than they would some businessman raping a billion quid out of the economy. Hmm. You know, they, get, they care about these injustice. You know, there's yeah. a real anger about injustice, and I found that fascinating, and I liked the idea of, you know, what is justice, what is lawful, and what is right and wrong, and playing a line of... Can you create a character who, depending on your own politics as well, some people are going to see him as a psychopath, and maybe somebody's going to see them as a, a hero. Mm. And I, so that's, and I thought, that's quite interesting. And I ran, ran a community group at the time. Mm. So, and then I was like, the original title for it, which everyone in the Screen Yorkshire included said, don't call it, that's a ridiculous title. But there's been a film that's come out recently with a similar title. I was like, I knew it would work. The original title was the Northeast Lincolnshire Vigilante Community Group. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is ridiculous, but um, but the, but for me, like tonally, it expresses what the film is a little bit more than Vigilante, which I think is a misleading title, um, mm. and that's why the title's changed for the feature. But um, that the idea of this a community group. So originally, it was like the idea of, and that's why in the film it's a neighbourhood watch. It's like a group of people coming together um, in this like traditional sort of neighbourhood watch, getting funding bids to try and mm. cause kind of vigilante justice in a in a village. Yeah, because that's 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 kind of where it sort of it lives in its reality is that. Yes, we, we, you know, Neighbourhood Watch is up and down the country. Stickers tell you the warning, there is a Neighbourhood Watch, which is essentially saying there are people looking out for you, so don't do the crime. And I'm not quite sure what that means in terms of what's going to happen to you if they see you do a crime, <laughs> whereas your character, Pet, has taken it upon himself. And, and in a way, it's that, it's that love, the, the way you, 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 you bring us in is there's that lovely, sort of almost benign introduction of his rough justice is that a local shopkeeper keeps getting the window smashed, he won't fix it. Pep's upset because it, it, the world looks scruffy and he says, look, I'll pay for your window and then I'll guard your window. And he gets rid of this criminal element who drink outside this guy's shop and that's his heroic status. But like, but in this kind of, I guess in this YouTube world we live in where people are trying to drink cinnamon on video and nearly choking to death, infamy is, is better than not being nobody at all. And his infamy becomes like a drug, doesn't it? That, yeah, absolutely. That yeah, propels yeah. him. But you play, so in a way we kind of go, yeah, he's a he's a have a go hero. He's quite likable. But then you go, no, he's not. He's he has got a screw loose somewhere. There isn't. But you play that off lovely to make us sort of not think, oh, we're just watching a hate creature with the the single dad routine and the estranged relationship with his with his um, with his ex missus. So how did you? Because that makes him very human. Doesn't make him just so much the, the village loon at all. Where, where was all that? Where was that thinking coming from in terms of um, in terms of Pep? Because he's he's a very sympathy. He's very, for for all of his craziness throughout. And I'm going to stop now because the door's gone. <laughs> I'm back from uh, delivery of. Uh, I think it's a planter. My wife's holding for the garden, but uh, you, dear listener, you won't know that. Uh, Darren, thanks for waiting. Um, so, what I was asking in a round, very long roundabout way, was you you balance off 
the the sort of angry vigilante who wants to see justice and impress the village at large with this very sympathetic character who has a single parent duties and um, a, a difficult relationship to deal with uh, his estranged wife, his estranged ex-missus. How how did how did that? How, what was the storytelling challenges of trying to build that into what is obviously like? Like we've already said, it's like you know the simple idea of the have a go hero because that doesn't really play with that that easy. Yeah, I, I guess it's a it's also a motivation um, mm-hmm. in the sense that um, you know I said you know we said well what it's, what was it about at the beginning? I said oh it's because he wants to be a hero, and actually that's not quite true. There's more to it than that. Ultimately, and I don't, I don't want to sound too wanky about it, and I hope it's not too overblown in the film, but he wants to be a hero to his kid. That is all this is about. Mm. He just wants to be somebody for his. He, he wants to be somebody for his kid, um, and that kind of drives everything he does. Um, and it mis- misguides him in the film quite quite a bit as well. Mm. But I, but I, I, the intention, at least, was that ultimately you realise that that's why he's doing it. You know, he wants to create a safe environment for his kid to grow in. Because if it's if he if people he creates this sort of like scary place where people loads of crimes happening and maybe his kid will leave him or something like that, or maybe his kid's going to be taken away, mm. so, so his wife leaves the area or something like that. And so it's so so that is all, all, it was always going to be about that. And it was even in the short film. There's a bit about his, his son in there. Doesn't kind of go as far. I mean, not not even closer, but it's there. And even yeah. then, it's always the idea. It would have to be. You know, it's always about kind of identity. Who are we? What's our place in the world? And yeah, because it's quite, it's quite, it's revealed quite late on, and he has a bit of a rant about maybe he should dress up as a superhero and all that. And he, he goes on. He has a bit of a speech about how asking why do women get the kids, as it were, so easy, and the father doesn't. So you you kind of get this impotent rage of him is obviously grounded in that. And he's taking it out on something he can do, which is everyone's impotent rage at the fact there's lawlessness. Yeah. And it's like it's like what do you call it? It's a projection, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so when you're um, when you're pulling this together and you're ready to shoot, now clearly the there's there's a creative decision to do something that's like a documentary. But yeah. I think also from what we were saying earlier, there's also the the opportunity for for a film crew that's not necessarily sorry film production that's not got the biggest budget in the world yeah. to be able to use this style. So do you want to talk about the the style of a shooting as documentary to make a feature film? Yeah, and obviously I'm not, I'm not you know kind of mockumentaries have a, a bad connotation to them because you're doing yeah. a mockumentary is a bit really, um, but um, it was it, you know after Vigilante short film I made a film called Scent mm-hmm. um, and that did very very well. Um, and it got set up with meetings with BBC, with a producer in America, Warp, uh, if you've heard of those, Film 4. And um, and there was all, very often it was always like, what have you got? What features have you got? What have you got? And I didn't have anything. And I just fucked it up. I had, all, I, I had quite a lot of opportunities after that short film. Mm. And I fucked it up. I'll admit it. I messed it up. Because I didn't have, I wasn't prepared. Because I didn't know. I, there was a naivety to it as well. I was like, oh, I've got some ideas. And they're like, oh, okay, well, in, in a month's time, there's going to be another short film and watch that we're interested in. And, you know, they never said that, but that's the, they were like, okay, well, when you're ready, then come back. And That's the treadmill we're all on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it was, it, was a, it was a big revelation. But there was still a couple of producers, one of England and one in America, who were interested. And there was helping me develop um, a couple of films, and inc- including this one as well. Um, so I was developing it, and it was just going so slowly, and I was so angry that I, I felt as if I messed, things, I messed my m- momentum up. Hmm. Um, and I felt... I need. I just need to make a film. I felt I needed to do it. Um, I need to make a feature film. I need that experience. I want that experience to do it. And then I just and then and then out of what I was working on, I said, this was the one I felt. Well, you can make that. Cheap, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but I can make it cheaply. It's um, the style of the film mm. and the nature of it, and also the because it's quite um, it's quite vignette. Lots of little scenes. I felt as if 
I could shoot it for, you know, rather than shoot it for a month straight, I could shoot it over a year, work long weekends. That means I can get like a, a decent crew, but I'm not saying, can you book a month out for this film? I'm saying every month, can you just book a, a long weekend out to work on the film? Right. So, so, so the nature of the, the storytelling, meant, yeah. so it's, so all, so it was a, a part of it. It wasn't like this, I, I, I wrote this film and I made it and then I wanted to make it. It was very much a, okay, I want to make a film and I'm writing this, let's, Write it in a certain way, knowing that I can film it in a certain way mm. that f fits the budget and fits the resources, time resources that I've got and the crew that I want to work with can, can mm. do as well. So, so it was a very, it's a calculated decision to yeah, because you, you're not you're not under the pressure, are you, to light the f fuck out of a scene? Yeah, because people are only if it's if it's already viewed as being yeah. a documentary camera's journey, mm. then it's what the documentary camera sees, yeah, as opposed to. We didn't like that very well, did he? Like, no. It's a living room. That's yeah. how they're lit. Although what we'll say is, is that we did like a lot. A lot of it was more orchestrated and crafted than it, it looked. So the idea was that I, what I wanted, obviously it's a documentary style, uh -huh. and I wanted it to be a, a, a heightened style. So the handheld bits, a lot of them are steadied so that it's quite artificial. So yeah. I, I didn't want it to be fucking cr crazy. No, you can't see. it's not headache inducing. Yeah, so, so but, but there is still that movement and the, the lighting was, you know, there was, there's a, more lighting than you can imagine. We had to like, no, tell us. Arrays, tell us. you know, get, afterwards in post-production, arrays, lights, and cables, and stuff, because we wanted, to, so it was about creating an atmosphere, but heightening it slightly, mm. so it's not really raw, it's not really dirty documentary style, it's a slightly heightened version. No, because I must, I must admit, there's some lovely, lovely uh, sort of photography going on for, and, and, and I hadn't really thought about it being a steady cam, but yeah, it isn't, there isn't, there, it's a lot more static than if you're thinking found footage, oh my God, what matter? Yeah, exactly, it is, yeah. It's a film that looks in the style of a documentary, but it isn't somebody's found a camera and thrown it on a room for yeah, five exactly, minutes. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. And things, just off the top of my head now, that stick out, for example, there's a scene where um, Patrick, the, the, the suspect who comes in later in the story, throws a cup of tea on Pep's car. Now the framing of, Pep in the foreground, the tea falling down the windscreen, and and just where uh, the actor Johnny Vash is in that scene is is a is a shot. It's yeah, not yeah. that isn't like oh we managed to get that happy accident. <laughs> yeah, it, there's 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 depth and everything that's going on. Plus you know there's the, the the tea going down the screen and that. Yeah, and the punchline of uh, can I have a biscuit with that is really cool. But yeah, yeah, so obviously yeah. that can't happen by accident. Um, and, and even the screen, you know, people watch it, and it's like, oh, because it's, we use a lot of local actors as well. So uh, mm. we used some professional actors, but most people in it are just local people from my hometown. We did big yeah. auditions for everyone to kind of turn up and, and do it. People think it's improvised. It's like, it's not. It's not. It's all, it's like 95% word for word, the script of a little bit of improv around it. But people always say, oh, is it like improvised film? It's like, no, it's not. Obviously that, we, what, I sort of see it as a compliment that people say that. To be honest, that it's, it's a compliment, it's compliment like, your writing and, and the actors' yeah, performance. but it's there. Uh, but it's, it's 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 the whole film. It's it's like we crafted it to look <laughs> like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's more than you'd kind of imagine. I think. Well, no, I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough to interview Peter Kay in the past. Not not for this podcast, but as a journalist elsewhere, and he and he he talks a lot about that about trying to script natural. <laughs> yeah. And if you can convince people that it's not been scripted, you've kind of succeeded. If they even begin to question that this hasn't been scripted, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've kind of succeeded in your yeah. I must admit, yeah, people people listening who haven't seen the film yet. Yeah, there's a there's a whole kind of real naturalistic sheen to everything going on, and because of the way the fourth wall is and is not broken at different points in the film, you're kind of never quite sure whether it really is a mockumentary or not. And if you if you if you came into this ten minutes into the film and didn't know, you could just think you're watching a reality TV show at some points because it's it feels so natural. There's so, yeah. things I've never seen before, and I mentioned this to you before we start recording is. 
it's people people who are meant to be the public because it's a documentary talking about what's going on, like noticing the boom mic and stuff. Where did that? I mean, if you're scripting that, where was your motivation to sort of bring that into the drama? Um, just because it annoys me when I watch stuff like that and it doesn't happen. I'm like. It- I film all the time, and it, pe- the public are always staring and looking at the camera and looking at you behind it, and you're asking them questions and they're not listening because they're looking at the equipment. And I'm so so for me, I want to be part of it. But um, I guess one of the big things I was really mindful of when writing this is um, is the sort of the genre, the mockumentary genre. And there's a couple of things that I I hate, and there's some really famous mockumentaries that people love, and they irritate me because they do two things. One is the contrivance of why would you be filming that? You wouldn't be filming that. Why are you, the, you know, even things like, um, what's the monster one? Monster. Um, oh, no, well, no, the, oh, the superhero one. Cloverfield. Well, Clo- yeah, Cloverfield definitely, that's the monster one. And the superhero one, the, um, oh my God, my, 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 my brain's gone. It's good for the audience, isn't it? Nearly, nearly hitting 40, and I can't, I can't remember film names anymore. Um, <laughs> the kind of mockumentary, the kind of found footage superhero film, all the young kids have got superpowers. Don't know it. But anyway, go on. You anyway, anyway, but what bugs me about that? You then you like you wouldn't be filming that, you know, in Cloverfield. If you're being chased by a monster, you, it, it just irritates me. And films like you said, Man Bites Dog, that does it perfectly. Like it feels like what is being filmed would be filmed. Like there's no artifice, no, it's not contrived. They don't come up. With and it challenges stuff. the notion of like that question of why would you film it? Yeah. Because they do it. They literally do it in the film. But they contextualize it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It makes sense. So when you what you there, but those films, it's like mockumentary is a style. Rather than context, mm, yeah. it's not the context. It's not the context of the film. But trying to pretend it is, it's yeah. not. You're doing it as a style. It's it, it irritates me when it's like really contrived. The other thing that irritates me is sort of the use of sound in particular. Now this is a you know like there's like a scene where it's like a mockumentary sound and they're in a nightclub and it's like it's perfectly mixed and it's like that's not for me that's not interesting. I'm, again, Man Bites Dog is a great example. They've got some beautiful sound moments in that. So when I was Thinking about it, I wanted, I, you know, I was always my question. I was always asking those questions. You know, w- would this be filmed? And if it was being filmed, how would it be filmed? What would happen with the with the film crew? So it wasn't just about the story. It was just about just adding these little touches of. Give me an example of where you've drawn on incidental sound rather than sound designed it, as it were, or made it sound like you're drawing on sound. I know what you mean about like the nightclub scene is always quite surreal. So, so like, there's a couple. So in the film, there's a couple of bits that are really purposely like, played with sound. So there's a, a scene where he's in um, the pub, mm. um, spying on one of the people who he sees as a suspect, and the, obviously we're filming him. So he's in the camera, but we can't hear him. We can hear what's happening in the background because that's where the, the boom operator is. So the boom operator is in the distance, and we can hear that. And then Pep's there and he's shouting over him, but you can't hear him even though he's it in the foreground. And then as he walks over, he gets louder and louder and louder because he's approaching the source of the sound rather than this mix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's a scene where the the film crew very often is always mic'd up the character, so very often they're always. They're I do always believe it's you filming. It is. It's true. <laughs> and um, so there's a scene where he goes to see his kid, and because he's still mic'd up, the film crew in the car. So we're watching the film crew listening to him having a conversation. So we can't see what's happening in the, in, as he's chatting to his son. We can just see the film crew listening. That's one of my favourite bits in the film. Because that was where I made, the first time I made a note about, weirdly, about your purposeful sound design. So less about the natural acoustics of it, where yeah. we've, watched, we've watched a man do at this point in the movie, and it's a very heartfelt conversation between father and son, which backs up obviously your, 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 your theme of the film, which is like a man who wants to just make the world safe 
for an impressive son. But this moment is like a come down because we've seen him do some really crazy stuff at this point, which is not normal for people that live in any towns in, in civilised society. But we've kind of accepted that's who Pep is. And then you give us this heartfelt moment. And on top of that, it's just amazing the power of, I think it's an acoustic guitar that sort of plays over that moment. Like it's just amazing how easy we can be as an audience. We're manipulated to go. Oh right, this is this. This I'm meant to feel this, and you're watching just literally a sound man with headphones on, yeah, listening to it. Obviously, just looking around the rest of the crew, but we're we're hearing it like as if we're being him, like we're yeah. doing an impersonation of the sound man while watching the film, yeah, which is yeah. quite a, an interesting kind of almost like through the looking glass, isn't it? You know, a sound man looking at a sound man watching a film, following the action of the drama. Yeah. <laughs> And obviously he's talking about trying to educate what a paedophile is to his like seven-year-old son or something. That, that, and that, that's a that, nice segue because you've, you've used the kind of traditional folk devil in modern society of the there's the paedophile amongst us, which if you've seen uh, Jared Johnson's movie uh, Tony, uh, London, Port, London Serial Killer, that's also no. the kind of hysteria that's knocking around. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. That, in that story, it's more about the fact that they're so excited about catching a serial killer Sorry, catching a paedophile that they're not seen as a serial killer walking amongst them. It's it's properly surreal. Yeah. Um, so you do use that idea, and it's interesting because it's not you, you're not you're not explosive about it, but you're you're using it very seriously. I felt because you're kind of going, yeah, it is a, it is an accepted folk devil, but people just lose their shit, and you you this is where it goes beyond just Pep. Pep is like a. He's like the um, he's like the wooden spoon stirring them all in a pot at this point. So whereas he's this outsider who's gone too far, the minute we've got a paedophile to catch, we're all pep all of a sudden, which I think was a really interesting way of showing that. Yeah, I mean, and it was important for the story as well because the kind of first half, in a way, it's sort of so you're just watching him do his thing and kind of sort plot wise, it's not really kind of moving forward. It's all about kind of character, mm. and that's the moment where. The kind of kind of kind of plot kicks in, so it's like this. Con- and and I got you know, like, bring it in earlier. You need to bring that in earlier. And it's like a big debate on where we place the, the how we integrate the, the, that kind of story um, to it. So it's actually post halfway through, mm. but it, but it is important, you know, especially for his sort of journey. Like you know, it's like he's he's the hero. He loses it because he's you know, there's a screw loose and people are terrified of him. Yeah. Um, and then there is that one thing, and he, and he knows it. That's the thing. He's aware. He's intelligent. He knows that there's this opportunity. There's this. Loose rumour that he dismisses it, he completely dismisses. But when he's lost everything, he's like, hang on a minute, I can use this. And I can get everyone back inside. And, he, mm. and it happens instantly because the nature of that, especially in those small communities where I'm from, everyone goes wild. You know, mm. it's, and, and you see it all the time. Um, and people want vigilante justice. You know, they always hear, you know, leave them with the families. Yeah, let no, the families I, have them for half I an did, hour. I wrote, down <laughs> a, yeah, I wrote down a few of those. It was like, let, let, let's beat him up. Uh, what was it? Hang him. And should he be locked up? Yeah, and lock him up. There's <laughs> those lovely, 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 lovely cause and effect there. Yeah, let's hang him, then lock up a dead man. Um, so how conscious of you were about treating such a, what is obviously a serious subject, but obviously for dramatic purposes in your... I had no qualms about it whatsoever, in all honesty. I see, you know, I, I see, I, I see those kind of stories, you know, now it's like paedophile hunters with half a million people on Facebook following them and stuff like that. It's like, that, that is for me like the epitome of sort of vigilante justice in small communities. Yeah. It's like when there's a, when kids are involved, people kind of lose it and it's, it's happened in sort of my areas, you know, like the guy who did, you know, you know, the Soham Killers, he was from where I'm from and stuff like that and people, 
and I, don't, I just see it all the time. You know, I see yeah. it on Facebook and stuff like that. Always posting articles about paedophilia and, and paedophiles. And, and then there was this rise of like, you know, Sarah's Law when that got kind of brought in and stuff like that. And how they're getting integrated into these communities and it's wrong. And, you know, and I just thought that's, for me, a sort of a perfect. And also because it kind of plays on the fear. You know, ultimately his fear. But he's willing to, again, because of his... He's not, he's, he doesn't quite have the emotional intelligence to kind of go with it, but like he, using his son, you know, it's almost like kind of does he believe it? Does he genuinely believe there's a paedophile that's been kind of being integrated into his community? Is he just using it? Is it a bit of both? And him willing to use his son as a sort of as a justification for it as well. Mm. So there is, and then and that plays that that line of is he doing it for his son or is he using his son? Is he abusing his son? There's certain certain moments in the film where he definitely does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so, so for me, it felt an absolutely kind of a great way to explore those ideas. But I don't, I don't care. So you've got, you've got. I mean, you've got. I guess there are four main characters in terms of the big story. You've got, you've got Pep, obviously the main, the main yeah. focus of the whole thing, and then you've got his. His Mrs. Becky, who's who's played by, uh, I'm sorry to say, Simon Cassidy plays Pep, and M- Millie Reeves plays Becky, and the son played by, who's Billy played by, uh, Harrison Ainsley. But you've also got the guy who has to play the sus- the suspect paedophile, the main suspect. Yeah. Weirdly, a guy that we now both, <laughs> I now know, watch the going, I know that guy, <laughs> uh, an actor called Johnny Vivash. Yeah. What was your conversation like? Because one of the things you do brilliantly with that, and what he does as an actor, is. The fine line between pointing your finger at someone and going, you're a paedophile, and then obviously you go, no, I'm not. And then they go, oh, you're defending yourself a bit too much, aren't you? And then suddenly you're like, well, maybe he is. And it's so <laughs> weird to think that when it's based on no fact other so than... So when you were watching, you thought, maybe he is. Well, the way... No, the way... The way, um, the way Johnny behaves as the actor yeah, yeah. plays up to that fact. So you're kind of going, because I don't know where the story's going, do I? Nice, yeah, yeah. So, so Johnny's behaving in a way that reinforces Pep's prejudice, yeah, yeah. but I'm only seeing what Pep sees. Yeah, that's nice. So, that's so in a way, I fell for it too. I don't know, maybe I'm stupid, I don't know. No. But, but he plays it brilliantly because you're like going, because the minute somebody says, you've got a lot to add, then you suddenly go quiet because you're like going, what do I, because in his head, it's probably, I can imagine the moment you go, am I, does he think I'm a paedophile? Is what probably the, the gears of your head are doing. Yeah. Your gears of your head are going, oh, I've got something to hide. But to the world, it looks like you've gone quiet. You're, you're reflecting on it. Yeah. And it looks like you're. <laughs> Whereas Pep's a man who lives on emotion and he's so sure of himself, even though he's butted people, he's punched people. But at this point, he still believes that he's right in that classic case of, you know, we live in this world now where the public sphere is not about what's true, it's about who's right and who yeah, can yeah, prove yeah. it. Yeah. And that's what Pep's, Pep's very good at. Um, so, yeah, so hats off to uh, Amit's friend Johnny because I think he, he certainly fooled me. Yeah. Um, it's, that, it's more, more so in that first, that first, when he first knocks on his door um, and, it's a, and, he, and he runs out of his path to all, and he chases him down the path because he shouts to his neighbour that he's a paedophile or something. And then there's that moment where it's like a flashpoint. You're going, oh, I don't. Because again, as a viewer, you don't know where the story's going. Yeah. Spoiler there, I think. But in fact, the film doesn't it resolve doesn't that. No, the film, the film never resolves it, actually. The film yeah. leaves you with, you know, which is why when I, you know, I was making, like, why it made me think of, like, Man Bites Dog and, and then the craziness of something like Death Wish. Because, <laughs> because that, you know, morally, you don't, you don't tie us up in a bow at all. And you go to places that, you know, I've seen horror films go, which is when we start with that monologue about community cinema and where we end you've took us on hell of a journey really with this what essentially is a bit of a, a bit of a local loon yeah. um, and you, we, how, how conscious were you about how far you could take it tonally because that's that is some shift I mean I'm a hardened horror fan and, and I'm kind of like ready for everything but in, in different contexts you're not always 
Yeah, I think I think it's obviously because of the you know horror film, you sort of expect a certain thing, and maybe the ending of this film, you're not kind of expecting it. Yeah. And so it's like, oh yeah, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know, I know some some people think it's I don't know one person who thinks it's too too much, but they don't like violence, so they were just a bit like, oh my god, I needed to be warned about that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But um, again, it is it is tricky for me. It's it was sort of an inevitability, and that was never a problem for me. I know there was always that kind of thing about you know you. You know, you should always surprise people. For me, the ending does have a certain predictability about it. You know, there is that thing of a man taking violence too far. How oh, far it, too in far. hindsight, yes. But for me, it's more, it's, 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 you know, I want people, it's, for me, it's more about the, the, the kind of empathy or sympathy that you have with that character where you kind of fall mm. in, that, in, in that line. That's the more interesting aspect of it. For me, is, is he going to do it? Is he going to do something pretty extreme? Probably. But, you know, are you going to, how far are you going to go with him? Um, and I want people, you know, when he's outside that, you know, that house at the end, and, you, and is he going to go in? When is he going? Is he not? And you almost want people to go, don't, don't go in because it's not going to, you know, it's not going to. Oh, go but away. I also feel like what you've done is that obviously the, the, the you've, you've, you've met, in a way you've made the audience and that by definition the documentary filmmaker complicit in yeah. who Pep is because you could argue that without the crew. Would he have done it? Would he have gone anywhere near anyone's Absolutely, house? Yeah. He may have done it once or twice, but he'd have got yeah. bored of it and he'd have found something new to do. Yeah. But the camera legitimised it, and it's something you that you that again through the way that you break the, the break the fourth wall on what it's like to be the subject of the camera, where not everybody's compliant and they're just curious about what you're doing. And I and I loved I loved all the bits where the wife is basically bitching on how bad a husband, how bad a partner is, mm. which has got obviously not why they've asked him asked her to be on camera, but suddenly it turns into her chance to tell the world that he's a bit shit. <laughs> and he kind of doesn't even fight it, which no, is all the better. She's the only one who can't fight. Which I guess, <laughs> I mean, we did say earlier about people comparing it to Taxi Driver, yeah, you've got that, Travis, where Travis Brickle is brilliant is that you know his heart is in the right place, but his moral compass has been smashed with a, with a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, no matter where his... And, and when you start working where justice plus emotion equals the resolution. Yeah. It can only go wrong. Yeah. And also what's more important, is it the, the intention or is it the kind of the action? You know, if the intention's good, do you forgive a lot of action? Yeah. Even if you disagree with that normally. But, um, you know, I also think kind of like how, you know, kind of personal politics kind of plays a part of it. You know, after we did a screening, when we did a, a screening with it and we invited some kind of reviewers and people and obviously the casting crew as well. And there was a, a lot of, you know, afterwards there's a lot of discussion and there were, you know, there were people who thought he was a monster He's like, he's a psychopath, there's a monster who's terrifying and he's ridiculous, you know. And there were some people like, no, he was amazing. He's like, we need more people who are just willing to stand up a little bit. Yeah, we took takes it too far, but ultimately he's, he's, his heart's in the right place. Oh, you, you, <laughs> you, 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 you signal as the, the kind of contradiction between his wanting to do good for the town and how the town feels. There's an early shot where you're establishing who he is with a rather portly character. He's on a couple of times. And Pep is in, is in side view looking down on him because he's taller than him mm. while he's talking about Pep and then he mentions a kind of criticism of him and Pep who said that like as if as if this is now because he's now not talking positively about Pep anymore it becomes about Pep again as opposed to about what, what the town thinks exactly yeah and, and that is there he's, he's it's obviously a big ego thing and he's doing it for you know that is a, a big aspect of it mm. um, about him he, he wants to be the hero I mean mm. that is ultimately the real driving force of it yeah he, you know he's angry and he wants to make the world a better place but that's ultimately what it's about, and but it is. It is in a way. It's it, it, some of some of what you what people now call like impotent rage is like is the helplessness that exists 
today is, I mean, I was just the radio the other day talking about how crime's dealt with, and there was a policeman literally going, so if, if I got robbed of £20 and they pulled a knife on me, would that be enough? And they go, well, the knife escalates it to a certain point. He says, so you're saying if I got £20 robbed off me, you're not interested? And he went, yeah. And you're like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. So if somebody can literally just physically beat me up and I'm scared of being beaten up, I get robbed of £20 and it's not important. Mm. But if anybody comes at me with a knife and I give them £20, then the police take it. You're like, wow, that's an amazing way of... But there's, there's justice being rationalised based on exactly, resource yeah. available. Which yeah. then people are like Pep, they're like, well, the police never come. So again, it's the way the story starts. I'm going to save this shot myself because the police won't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and people, one of the people, get angry about injustice if they feel an injustice is, is happening, mm. or or you know, that's what people get angry about. And it's like if people are solving those, then it's like, oh, that's, you know, that's good. Now, with with the with the, you say like the you know the the the, the format format and style you chose was um, was was good for what you were trying to make in terms of yeah. the, the budget and how you wanted to shoot it. Um, I meant to ask this question earlier on, and I, I think I've forgotten, so I'm going to try again. Um, it's my fault, not yours. Um, what What was your initial conversations with your cinematographer about that look and feel? Because, like you, you already talked before about how there was a lot of setup and lighting and, and taking out lighting and stuff. So, in terms of how you discussed that, what was what was what was the collaboration there between you? Um, I mean, it was that it was about creating. Like, how do we create a, a heightened sort of kind of version of of the documentary style? Right. And then we sort of then within each moment, like how you know how is that crafted um, in terms of where the camera moves and the, a lot of the kind of you know the, again you probably don't think about it, but every camera move, every out of focus, you know, we were mm. really crafting. It's, every one of them was was thought of. It wasn't just let's just follow this. It was all of it was yeah okay right. So we're gonna. We're going to turn here because we want to hit this line here. We want to see the reaction rather than the line. So in a weird way, because of the style of it, because most of it's all in one take, the kind of choreography is far more complex than it looks. You know, cause normally in the edit, you know, you get your coverage, and then in the edit, you decide, you know, well, you know, we want to be looking at them, or I want to see the reaction, or I want to see this. You know, you kind of think about how the kind of what we had to do that on on mm. set, and we, you know, because of the nature of it, we didn't have a luxury of a pre-production, so we could. Really, discuss, you know, just uh, discuss like what the intention was, what we really wanted to do, how we wanted to play with the form of filmmaking. Mm. Um, but it was on the day, it was like, okay, right, this is what we want to do. This is the effect we want to create and crafting every single sort. Of, like, we need to move over here. We're going to swoop over here at this moment. Have a little focus pull out here, just to kind of keep that. Mm. Always, you know, those kind of moments of filmmaking. Mm. Um, and like, okay, we need to put a, another cameraman in the background there. For this one moment, just to you know, and things like that. So it's much more about cre creating that illusion of a, of a documentary film. But it was all done very kind of choreographed, blocked out. Which, is in a way, is what you, in a way, and I, I can only commend you for that because that means that you're still you are making a film first, yeah, yeah. not just shooting documentary <laughs> style for the sake of it. Yeah, you're shooting a film that looks like a documentary as opposed yeah. to I can only run around with a camera. Yeah, which is a very different. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. When you when you, when when I see it done badly. I can see that, yes, they had two cameras and they run around with them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was, it may look like that, I don't know, but, but the idea No, no, was, but you, I was going to say, because you, you, you made me think there that uh, the manipulation that happens when you're watching it is you kind of, because you can make us feel like we're watching a normal film at some points, because it, you know, the the way it's being filmed and the way... Yeah, that's the, what all the two, feel. You know, the two-way conversations happen, yeah. and then suddenly you'll, you'll throw us a kind of offbeat that is what makes, like I say, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the lovely, the lovely emotional scene with him, with the watching the sound guy, as opposed to that. For, if it wasn't a documentary, then obviously you would have we, had coverage of. You'd be in the room. You'd be in the room, and that. Right. But it was, but in keeping with the film, 
it was like they couldn't do it. And, and yeah, it's also you know it's, it, a lot of it's all <coughs> about like how do you best tell the story and the emotions. Right? It's, it's just like the idea of being in a room with someone and having this conversation. If it, if we did that for that film, it'd be very it'd be it'd be like he's just doing this for the camera, and it's like there's a rare moment of him being mm. honest and not how he do, how does he talk to his kid when he doesn't think anybody's there. But also, you kind of want the audience to feel like maybe listen to something they shouldn't be. Mm. You know, and, and it's like, okay, should we still be listening to this? Why are they still? And also, they got like, their views on the, the the crew as well. Um, you know, why are they listening to this? Are they getting some enjoyment from this? Are, are they manipulating Pep? You know, just kind of little tease. You know, trying to push that tiny bit about how much are they kind of like, enjoying this kind of uh, kind of taking advantage of him. Now, now, you mentioned a scene before in the in the pub where the boom mic is nearer to the subjects as opposed mm. to Pep. Mm. So Pep is looking like he's listening to his his iPod or something. To them, and then we're hearing their conversation clear while he's in. Yeah. Arguably, we're hearing what he's hearing. Um, but your setup for that is really lovely because it's his missus whispering into a boom mic, and he can't hear what she's saying, but the sound man can. Oh, that, oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. is such a lovely setup and payoff on that because it it doesn't even feel like you're doing it, but the idea of introducing how sensitive his mics are, which anyone that's been on a film set would know, but people who haven't. No idea. Yeah, things like this one. Also, yeah, yeah. Don't don't point that illusion. They can't see you. What you pointed at? You just point. You just pointed at the microphone. Sat on the lip of my laptop in this extensive studio arrangement we've got going into my kitchen. If he'd have come here forty five minutes earlier, he'd have seen the washing. <laughs> um, so, um, given the format, given the way it was all scripted, and you, you, what you shot was what you wanted. What did you find in the edit mm. that then? gave us the finished film we got that wasn't there when you wrote it? Um, well, like I said, originally, one of the original ideas was creating this polished kind of crime documentary mm. and then sort of like the deconstruction of that and the real sort of motivations between all the characters in the yeah, film yeah, yeah. completely went away. just didn't work. And I feel as if... I think the idea is probably better... Well, the idea was definitely better than the execution of it. Mm. Uh, the idea... I still think it's quite an interesting idea. Um, it didn't work for this and maybe if I'd... Because you know, cause I was sort of writing it in between shoots as well. The story being developed and it helped. You know, I was doing scene. We did like a block of filming, mm. and then I'd you know a month later for the next one, I'd write. Oh, okay, actually, maybe the story can move in this direction. But um, and I felt that maybe with a long proper development period, maybe I could have fleshed that idea properly. I just didn't do it well enough. Um, mm. In all honesty, so when we got to the edit, we realised very quickly that didn't work. Um, then we also realised with the film was the first rough cut was two and a half hours long. And I always wanted this to be 80 odd minutes. Mm. People, the story does not deserve anything more than that. Um, and then the first cut was two and a half hours long, and we, you know, we, the, we just had so many scenes. Just of his, of the, of the, you know, so many scenes of, it, of his kind of vigilanteism. Yeah. You know, it's like loads of it. So it was always thinking about how best to, you know, which bits to use and how best to use it. And um, and the biggest challenge of it though was crafting the story. In all honesty, because it's not mega story driven. But you know, it's it's not really. It's much, it's it's about him and his son. You know, in my mind, that's what it's about. Yeah, it's yeah. like him and his son. <clears throat> that's the that's the key key relationship and the core relationship of it. Um, and actually, in the edit, it was like, you know, when do we introduce you know the kind of the story about this paedophile? In in in, in my mind, it's sort of like a, a subplot. In all honesty, but then when we was watching, it's like we, we we needed a bit more of a a plot to drive us through towards the end. So it's like that was fine. And it's like when do we introduce that? Um, how long and, and another question that I was, was battling with was how long can we just watch and enjoy him mm. or be disgusted by him if that's how you disgust him it's like how long can you get away with 
And how long do you need to understand, you know, the, the, the kind of journey of his rise and fall? We kind of join him at his, his, where he's at his peak, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah, missed yeah. the beginning. We've joined him where he's at his peak and the documentary crew have gone, let's follow this guy. He's, he's mental. He's fun. Let's watch him, see what happens. Um, and then you see his fall. It's like, how long can we, will an audience be entertained by that? Um, as well. And that was a battle. You know, we, we really think you know, how that gets moved and how the subplot of the thief um, and the kind of, the, the, the Nana character how that you know that kind of loop you know small storyline and does does that help us drive it through and in the the the, uh, the 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 kind of severity of the turn against him um in the towards the halfway mark it's so it's just about the rhythm of the of the drama because it wasn't the case if i wrote the script and filmed it done mm. we were writing as we were going along so it, those questions normally would be answered beforehand we didn't have the luxury of it so it was very much in the edit it was like finding finding that rhythm um mm. Of that, of the journey to kind of take people through, um, it was a big, big battle all the way to the end. One of one, one of me, um, <clears throat> my favourite parts of um, how how we investigate the character of Pep is where, to him, because he doesn't check anything, he's very much a man who lives for the moment. He keeps turning up at the neighbourhood watch meetings as if they've never invited him, and one of them points out that if you check your email, you'd know this is the regular date and everything. And so they're doing their best to be kind to him. There's the there's the perennial woman who's there's the woman who's perennially offended of his swearing, which I found hilarious. The fact that she never got used to it, and he kept apologising. I thought it was just amazing little detail that that the, these characters, you know, at what point do you, do you go, oh, he swore because that's what he does, as opposed to, <laughs> oh, do you have to? I love that. I love that idea of just on on, the, on a minor scale of what causes offence. Exactly all the stuff he does, and that's the one thing. It's like yeah. But then the the, the 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 kind of chair was it I think or the woman who drove I can't sure what it was but she says something like um, you do amazing work we just don't think you're the face of the fate because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he he just wanted to oh it was that idea of he always wanted to be front and center of everything and he didn't he couldn't see that other people wanted to get involved or wanted to do stuff and it was everything was about his mission even though he didn't, even you could if you told him what's your mission in fact in a way and, and we'll probably we'll touch on it briefly because I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to bring it in too much, but he's a bit like Brexit. It's like the minute you ask him what your plan is, he go, "Oh, I don't know." But I want. <laughs> what do you want? I want justice. All right. How do you want justice? Well, I want justice. You know, which is a bit like a lot of the debates. justice is justice. Yeah, Brexit is Brexit. <laughs> you know, it's like um, that's what it felt like to me. That kind of that kind of character. It's like he knows what the, he knows what he what he wants, but how to get it yeah. is, is just detail. <laughs> or, or or the classic, I'll know it when I get it. But like all these other people are very much more diplomatic. And and I think one of the morals of the tale is. And I think I can say this without this isn't this doesn't spoil anything. I think is that actually the 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 periphery characters prove to me that society just wants to be civilized without anyone having to make extraneous efforts. We all just want to get on with our own lives, and most of us <laughs> are quite willing to not interfere or invade other people's personal space or whatever it might be because. Everyone's life's complicated anyway, so why you don't know why someone's front garden's a mess. It could be because they've got a dying mother. It's not just because they don't want to tidy the garden up. But you know, there is that idea yeah, of yeah, yeah. we must have tidy gardens. Like as if that's <laughs> a, when, when did that when did that come on? <laughs> did, did that any council tax bill? You know, and, and I think that's that's a lovely part of it in the sense of this heightened person who, like you say, can chime with some people who feel that yes, he's writing a wrong. There shouldn't be drunk teenagers. But when is a drunk teenager a teenager? Yeah, yeah, and who's to say he should be the one to meet it out? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's lovely. You, don't, you never, you, you, you know, the film never loses sight of the fact that the world can't work like this. 
Yeah, and obviously it delivers that beautifully and poetically. Well, um, some people do wish. Some people, I think people get confused about my intentions with the film as well. Yeah, because people ask. There was one person after. Oh, Are you all right now? But, but, there were, but there was almost like good on you. You know what I mean? It's like this is you know we need you know this we need to see characters like this. And I was like, and I was like they miss any of the irony or any of this kind of subtext or any of what the other. Well, Dirty, Harry, Dirty Harry had that criticism level of it. Yeah. And postscript people say, you know, it's it's a right wing reactionary movie to changes in society and stuff and and uh, I remember um, weirdly I had a Twitter exchange with Michael Winner once before he died <laughs> yeah. yeah and I asked him about Death Wish because he'd answered my question I thought oh I've got to ask you a question and he said that originally Charles Bronson wanted to distance himself from Death Wish until, until the, the whole the kind of Justice Warriors went yeah good on him and then Charles Bronson took all the credit for really? for the immoral <laughs> the immoral ending of the movie the idea that the police have a quiet word and you go well, just leave town and we'll let you off <laughs> you know. So um, let's remind people then uh, when they can, where they can see Small Town Hero. Yep. So May the sixth, um, it's on uh, iTunes, Amazon Prime, Amazon, um, mm. and Sky Store. Brilliant. And uh, hopefully there'll be some there'll be a few screenings somewhere around Britain. Yeah, we're chatting about that. We're hoping to get get that finalised as well. Um, we I did, we wanted it to be around the same time, but. The distributor said, oh, it's fine if it's a little bit later, it doesn't matter too yeah, much. Yeah. So. And I've seen that with other people I've been on. Yeah, guests exactly, and stuff. yeah. You know, you turn up in person doing Q&A. Yeah. You're, uh, you know, it's, it's an event then, isn't it? Not yeah, just exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, best of luck with the release of the film. I Thank thoroughly you. enjoyed it. Good, good. Thank you very much. The BritFlix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly... There's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 